Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Send It Philippines. Send It is the leading payment gateway in the Philippines. Allow your business to accept payments seamlessly from cards, e-wallets, retail outlets, and local banks. For more information, visit sendit.co. Also powered by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also by Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code hustleshare. The thing that kept me going was that, you know, someday this will get better. And I don't want to be watching from the sidelines as an employee of a big company when things start to take off. And yeah, so I stuck it through, found a way. And Awan and just things started taking off last year. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustler Podcast. I'm so excited because I don't feel old in this episode, okay? <laughs> I'm talking. 
to my fellow OGs in the startup ecosystem who's been there and done that, who's lived multiple variants and iterations in this startup community, have seen it all. But at the end of the day, these guys are superstars because, you know, if Nicolas Cage did gone in 60 seconds, these guys did it in 30 seconds. And if you know and if you've heard, you know, this new format of play to earn, we now have a Filipino startup that's getting that done. So without further ado, let's welcome the superstars and again the pioneers of the play to earn movement in the Philippines, Miss Beryl Chavez Lee and Gabby Dizon of Yield Yield Games. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to the show, Gabby and Beryl. <laughs> My God, how are you guys? Thanks for having us. <laughs> All right, again, you can hear the excitement in my voice because I'm really excited because I'm talking to people that have been in the game for a while. And I and again, the podcast was built to pay it forward to the youngins that follow between us. And again, we're here to discuss what uh, what we've been through. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Beryl and Gabby, what's your hustle? So we allow... Uh, people from around the world, gamers who make money from playing video games. Wow. That's amazing. Right? So, again, that is alien before. Usually before, when, when, when gamers, like our generation would come in, usually it's our parents saying, Kaka-computer mo yan! What the hell are you doing? It's usually a way to siphon money, but now it's the other way around. How Play, play to earn is the, the key. But before I, we, we go back to how we all started, um, I just want to understand for those people who are just in here and you know, a couple minutes in, how does that even work? The play to earn movement. How 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 does it uh, how did it become a big thing now? Because Axie basically surfed that for surfaced that out, right? Talking to town for several weeks now, right? Even months. But how did this come about? Yeah, so for a lot of people, no, Axie is new and play to earn is new, but I've actually been playing Axie Infinity for almost three years now. So I, I'm also from the gaming space. I've been in uh, NFTs and blockchain games since early 2018. And I actually uh, joined Axie Infinity community as a player since uh, October 2018. So I've been playing the game since, breeding Axies, battling. Um, and yeah, so this is something that is not new to me personally. What is new is um, the rest of the world discovering play to earn. The bubble has now burst. But again, before I get carried away, guy and girl, okay, I need you to buckle up because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. <laughs> All right, we have time machines here too. You're not the only cool kids that have amazing games and amazing tech. We're, we're the only podcast that has a time machine as well. But Beryl, I want to start with you. Um, what was your startup journey like? Because one thing about you and Gabby is that I know you, when this all started out, I was a young and I was an idiot 10 years ago and still am. Just an experienced idiot. But what was your startup journey like? How did you start being in the tech startup ecosystem? It started a really long time ago, maybe in 2012. So I was based in Shanghai and then um, it started with an internship and then I en ended up with um, 
a job in, uh, in venture capital uh, called Seed Asia. And then we started looking at very early stage tech companies uh, across China and eventually Southeast Asia. And um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time uh, in the Philippines uh, looking for really early stage you know, um, companies. So uh, I've been in touch with, uh, with, you know, the likes of Kickstart, you know, um, and then I started attending um, Geeks on the Beach. Uh, I think like early on there was uh, Go Negotial was also very much um, involved in, you know, um, a lot of these events in startups. So that's how I got acquainted in the tech scene um, in the Philippines. And then eventually um, I started learning more about, you know, the Southeast Asia uh, scene uh, when I started like writing reports about, you know, um, uh, you know, with the World Startup Report. And then eventually I uh, joined coins.ph, you know, as a very, very early on um, in 2014. Uh, I was entrepreneur in residence. I was really, really interested in, you know, Bitcoin as an infrastructure to move funds. And um, yeah, at, at that time, uh, when I actually decided to join coins, um, there were literally uh, maybe less than 200 people <laughs> that's actually like bu just buying um, Bitcoin. It's mostly, uh, you know, like um, friends, uh, family and, um, you know, like asking the founders to buy on their behalf. And then uh, we decided, hey, you know, this could actually be applied to uh, to remittances uh, to the Philippines. And so that's how, you know, the coin story came to be. And then uh I left uh, for the UK uh, when I did my uh, post-grad and I eventually started um, a startup uh, called uh, Capinex. Um, it was a tokenization platform. Uh, I was looking into uh, smart contracts, particularly um, the Ethereum uh, blockchain. So before mm -hmm. that, before Ethereum, it was colored coins, right? Because um, yes. you know? <laughs> So I was really intrigued with the colored coins. I was like, oh, maybe um, could stock actually be uh, tokens? You know, could assets be tokens? And then uh, eventually, you know, um, Ethereum uh, uh, was able to actually push their smart contracts. And then uh, that's how it really started. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, came back, started consulting for um, Union Bank as product owner. Yes. And then Yield Guild Games happened. All right. Now, again, that's a quick gist. But before we go to Gabby and go, OG in the game side because again this is one of the most OG you guys are both OGs right and when you when you drop the name barrel and for years now I, I I hear your name all the time through my good friend my brother Christian Blanquera it's synonymous to crypto right but I, I want to find out from your perspective because you came from an investor landing point when you came in 2012 was a pivotal year in startup in the startup ecosystem because that's when Startup PH was born. Again, shout out to Christian Blanquera. That group is 12, 10 years old, almost 10 years old now. You're old, Christian. If you're listening to this, you are hella old, right? And now there's hundreds of thousands, I mean, uh, tens of thousands of people in it. But can you describe for those people listening, in, the youngins, you know, what was the startup ecosystem like almost 10 years ago when we were, it was just, a small, you know, couple dozen that can fill in Mint College before in Startup Weekend and whatnot. What was it like? What were the startups like? And what were the founders like? So what was it like? Uh, so I was actually introduced to um, Earl Valencia. Like, um, I think it was a contact from like Stanford, right? And um, we were introduced. And then, uh, yeah, he had a couple of... Uh, you know, like young entrepreneurs. And then he started these, uh, like 
you have to judge a particular, um, you know, like startup. So it really started yep. from there. And then Kickstart also just um, started at that time as well, right? Like uh, right. Minette the and um, Kickstart. Kickstart, yeah. And then they had a couple of uh, really interesting startups, right? Like um, at that time, uh, there was Paul Rivera from Caliber, uh, started with Kickstart. And then there were um, a couple of, um, you know, um, of startups there. So I'd say it was very much like private, meaning to say the ones really running running it are, you know, like both Globe and Smart. Whereas right. uh, when I actually see other startup ecosystems outside, it's very much like pushed by government, right? Like um, uh, government actually has built, for example, in, in China, there is a place called Wu Chang, And then the government actually just um, funded, you know, all the buildings, um, infrastructure. Wow. And then they bring like APAC, for example, to come to actually visit all their startups. And, um, uh, you know, like uh, it's very much like government, um, a lot of government spending. Um, whereas in the Philippines, it's very much like privately uh, run and uh, the VCs as well uh, at that time to, to, uh, to validate a particular startup is also um, very much either, you know, go on the side of Globe or Smart. So, yeah, I think that was the main difference that I've seen, uh, you know, coming from like China, for example. Yeah. And again, it's totally polarized back then. Like we, we always say, and then the checks were small, the founders... We're all green. We're very few. Again, back then, the, the, the Mount Rushmore was, of course, Nick Snelledo, the Winston Damarillos. These are the people that the, we all look up to, of course, the Dado Banatos. But again, thanks, Farrell. But I need to jump to the gaming side of mine. I need to go to the motherboard a little bit and talk to our gaming OG here. How about you, Gabby? We go all the way back to the time machine, or I give you the, the door that Loki uses for the time variance authorities uh, uh, thing. You obviously built your career in gaming, but prior to you coming to gaming, what was that like? When how did you start off your startup or entrepreneurial career towards games? So my tech career actually started with int7.net, which is the uh, website of Inquirer and GMA7. It was a joint venture back then, and I started as a programmer. So this was. 2001 and 2002. And um, I always knew that I wanted to be a game developer. There was no gaming scene in the Philippines then. And the funny thing was there was an article in, uh, in our website sometime in 2002 about the first Philippine-made game being created out of Alabang. So this was Anino Entertainment led by Niel Dagondon. And then I saw this article, I read it, and I said, I have to join these guys. So I went to the website, I emailed them, Neil answered, I interviewed on a Saturday morning. There were guys who were sleeping on the sofa on their desk there. <laughs> um, yeah, and I joined. So January 2003, I joined the team. We made the first Pinoy-led game, which was called Anito Defend the Land and Rage. So yeah, I've been in gaming wow. for 18 years now. Wow. Okay, you, you jumped. I had a little bit on that one from from Anino, but I want to do uh, uh, I want to deep dive uh, a couple of things again around the same area around 2011, 2010, 2012. Around a decade ago, you were already your own startup founder at, at that age at, at that time, right? I, I want to find out, you know, because you eventually jumped in from being a game dev to being a founder. That's a huge jump. Totally different dynamics. The passion is going to be there forever with you because, of course, games are, games are games. But what was that 
transition-like and also at that time when the startup ecosystem was being built here. What was that like from your perspective doing games? So we founded Altitude Games in March of 2014. And uh, yeah, we were uh, actually one of our main investors. This is my mentor, Nix Nelyado. And uh, Nix was the one who really introduced us to the startup scene, introduced us to people like you know, Paul, Farouk, um, David Magendorf. Back then, we were doing uh, yeah, a lot of interesting things in the startup scene. Um, and yeah, that's where I learned to apply the skills I had in game development and apply that into a startup environment. So Surpass did invest in us. Um, and yeah, and Altitude is still around and still making games. And yeah. Awesome. Now, in terms of you guys meeting, of course, we're, obviously we're going to talk about crypto, NFTs, blockchain in after, after the first break. I want to know what was the first insight? Because again, you guys are well-respected in your own field. But when I saw that, oh my God, Gabby and Beryl are packing, working together, this, my mind was blown. But when did this, because I'm pretty sure it again, if you're playing Axie already for a, several years now, and Beryl's been in crypto for, for God knows how long. Again, Christian, it's your fault. You always tell me what's going on. All right. So what, when did this congregation start to happen? And when did the idea of doing games on the blockchain start to, to, to arise? Okay, let me back up a few years. I first really met Beryl and got to talk to her when she was doing Capchain X and we were looking at some uh, tokenization at that time. We ended up not working together. But yeah, but last year during the lockdown, we actually uh, started learning uh, DeFi or decentralized finance together. So we, we were learning how to do yield farming, earning tokens through, uh, through DeFi. So that's when we uh, started talking a lot more closely. Awesome. From your point of view, Beryl, what, what was that like? You know, now Gabby, again, you, you've met her several years back, Capchain X. And again, everybody's perspective changed during the pandemic. But what made it the right time to, to work together? Right. So, you know, like with Capchain, we've been tokenizing. Gabby has also really been um, acquainted with smart contracts at that time. And it just so happened that last year was really big for um, the centralized finance, right? And um, there's not a lot of people who are into uh, DeFi. And um, Gabby was really one of the very few people that, you know, I could yield farm with. And um, it's just so funny because um, we also have like um, a, um, a, you know, like um, a shared contact who um, reintroduced me to Gabby and he was like pitching a separate startup. But then before I heard of Gabby, Who is name, this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually um, Nick Snuledo. Yeah, and um, he was... Okay, I knew it. Really, really interesting um, startup and concept, right? So it's kind of like, oh, um, it's all about like NFTs and, you know. So I was like, oh, wait, this sounds like Ave, But then um, if it gets liquidated, you know, like I was like thinking about like the finance angle, but it's also NFTs. But this was very, very new at that time. So I was like, Nix, I'm so interested. Um, you know, maybe I could, uh, you know, like look into, you know, delving more and um, investing. And then he mentioned the name, it's Gabby. But it never really occurred to me. It was actually Gabby Dizon. <laughs> it was like some foreigner, you know, from... <laughs> from only one Gabby in this ecosystem. Yeah, so we were actually pitching Beryl to invest in a completely unrelated <laughs> NFT startup. Oh wow! So and she actually pledged money then for that startup. Oh, that wow. never you got to that too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is really interesting, fascinating, right?" Like, um, 
wow, I've been like waiting for this kind of like idea to come in. But at that time, I never, never really thought it was going to be like Gabby Decent from the Philippines, right? So yeah, um, that's how it actually started. And then, um, you know, like Gabby's into gaming. And then there was an article that came out about, you know, an increase. Uh, I mean, you know, like uh, from Coindesk, uh, from Leah, that there is a place in the Philippines and they've been downloading this game called Axie. And then Gabby's already in the midst of Axie Infinity, right? Right. So, so yeah, so we just uh, brainstormed and then, yeah, let's try it out. <laughs> okay, all right. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about from brainstorming to really creating a company that was able to raise $12.5 million in 30 fucking seconds. Huh? I was like, I don't even know how to comprehend that. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's been over a year and a half since the pandemic has started and completely bamboozled us because it changed and altered how business is done in the Philippines. But if there's a silver lining that I've seen, the businesses and startups that thrive now are those who are not just digital, but also make it easy for their customers to pay them. And the thing is, no matter how great you think your product is, your startup won't scale and achieve real product market fit if you don't do an omni-channel approach in getting your customers' payments. Now, we've discussed so many options of how to get that done in this podcast already. However, what if you can just get that done using just one product? And that's why I highly recommend that you guys use Sendit. Sendit Philippines is the leading payment gateway in the country, and they allow businesses to painlessly and seamlessly accept payments from their customers. And these payment channels include credit cards, direct debit, e-wallets like Gcash, PayMy, and GrabPay, retail outlets, and pay later. Now, I'm not going to recommend this if we are not a user ourselves. We use Sendit in Podcast Network Asia and getting payments from our sponsors and also disbursing money to our podcasters. Now, it's not just us because there's a lot of legit Filipino startups that achieve scale that are using Sendit to get this done, just like our friends from Kumu. Now, if you're interested to use it for your business or your startup, we're going to make it very easy for you to get started because you are a listener of HustleShare. And that's why we're going to give you access to Sendit's SME program, which is Sendit's org-wide initiative to help our SME customers grow and scale. Through this program, they will waive up to 1.6 million pesos per business and free transactions just by signing up today. And it's only applicable to new Sendit merchants and for transactions excluding cards. So if you're interested, just click the link in the description box of this episode to find out how to join. So if you have a business or startup that's gaining momentum now, I highly suggest you start investing in this infrastructure like Sendit to allow you to scale, not just now, but for a post-pandemic world. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Gabby and Beryl, two superstars who now have joined forces together. It really feels like, you know, this is a game too, like two dragons joining together to fight a common evil. I don't know what, I don't know what the common evil would be, but man, this is going to be amazing. But Walk me through this because again, you guys are amazing in your own regard. So Gabby, you're synonymous to Philippine gaming, right? <laughs> when we say Gabby, I already know ring a bell. Gaming, Gabby Dizon, I get it, right? And then again, shout out to your wife too, Minch. You know, so you when you say that, those are two heavy hitters that you're talking about. And then barrel crypto, but when this new idea, and again, you've had a prior transaction happening, I want to understand. When did you decide that, hey, maybe this is time to really jump in together? And what problem were you really trying to solve at that time? Okay, so let's go back to the story. Um, I was pitching an NFT lending startup to Burial. She actually already agreed to invest. And <laughs> we, were we were yield farming. So we were learning how to uh, yield farm using DeFi products um, last year uh, during this time. And I was also playing a lot of Axie Infinity because I've been a longtime member of the Axie community. And it was actually during this time, August, September last year, during the lockdown, that the player numbers of Axie really started to increase from the Philippines, specifically from ano, Nueva Ecija. What uh, happened there? How did that happen? I'm just very curious because this came out of nowhere. Yeah, so there uh, we actually released a uh, play-to-earn documentary on YouTube that documents this. Pero, um, there were some people na basically wala silang trabaho. Uh, they were looking for a way to make money, getting desperate. Wala nang pera, walang trabaho. They were looking for ways to make money online. And then nahanap nila yung Axie Infinity. So they started playing the game. And siguro in Nueva Ecija, people are minimum wage are probably earning mga 8 to 10,000 pesos a month. Maganda na yun. So they, wow. they, they buy a team of Axies, they start playing, and then they realize that they would be earning somewhere between mga 20 to 30,000 pesos a month. So mas malaki pa yung kinikita wow. nila. 
playing this game than the jobs that they were laid off from. And what these players did was... So how Axie works is that you, you play the game and when you win matches in the arena, you earn a token called SLP. And to SLP, you need to burn it as a cost when you breed two axes to create a new one. Because when you need to play, each axe is an NFT. You need three axes in your team. So you need to buy it from someone else. And then these breeders supply the axes. So the SLP is the ingredient that people uh, basically create when they win games inside, uh, inside Axie. Now, the interesting thing about Axie is that itong SLP, it can be removed from the game and basically put as a, a cryptocurrency in your wallet. And mm. from your wallet, you can change it to Ethereum, for example, and Ethereum to pesos. And this is what uh, these people did during the lockdown to earn money because they didn't have any other way. And when people started realizing that mas mataas ang kita sa Axie rather than the jobs that they were laid off from, it actually like it caught on fire barangay by barangay sa Nueva Ecija that some people started becoming millionaires, some people started earning a lot of money dahil sa paglalaro ng, ng game na to. Yeah, that's right. And that's how Axie became, started becoming really popular in the Philippines. That's amazing. So how did that phenomenon influence the barrels and the gabbies of the world because you you know for a fact how this this whole thing was built is that again the inspiration for ygg so i knew i knew a lot about um, nft based games because i'm also a developer myself and the axi uh, founders are actually very close friends of mine um but what happened in axi specifically is that um, people who owned a lot of axes. So, for example, at that time, I had close to 900 axes. They started lending out. So, no, wait, wait, uh, 900 axes? Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, not anymore, but, uh, but last year, yeah. Um, Dude, so, that's more than the Pokemons already. Okay. I'm just, I guess, I'm a Pokemon <laughs> type of guy. So, that's my only thing I can compare. Wow. 900. So, I started na binibenta ko yung axes to these players. They would buy them. Um, and if they couldn't afford it, they down payment sila or bibigay ko na lang and then they pay me after they earn. Um, but what happened was that people discovered that you can actually lend out your Axis accounts to people who wanted to play the game, pero wala silang pera to buy Axis. And then they would play the game for you. And then they would accrue SLP. Tapos mag-revenue share kayo on the SLP that this player earns. So this revenue sharing program was called the scholarship program in Axie. So the people who had a lot of Axies, they just started lending out the Axie to the people who wanted to play. Yung mga taong maraming oras pero walang pera. Um, and these, scholar, these Axie scholars, sila yung naglalaro, they would earn SLP and they would do a revenue share with 70% of the SLP earned going to the scholar or the player or 30% wow. to the manager. So actually, yeah, the scholar would earn 70% of the SLP that they create. Um, and this was a really good model because if I have one scholar, then I'm earning the seven, the 30% of that scholar. But if I have 10 scholars, if I have that's 100, yeah. yeah, then you're earning a really, starting to earn a really good amount. So that's when I realized that we can turn what people were doing on a small scale for, in the community to a startup. So I kind of changed track with ano, with Beryl and told her, hey, why don't we do this instead? And then I explained to her, because ibang background namin, I'm a gaming guy that got into NFTs. Crypto is I, Beryl is really like crypto and fintech, right? And um, so she had 
skills and knowledge in crypto that I didn't have. And I had like the gaming and NFT knowledge that she didn't have. So together, we actually had really good coverage of, uh, of the crypto space. And along with our third co-founder, so we have a technical co-founder who's an anonymous developer named Owl of Moistness. The three of us started uh, YGG together. That's amazing. That from your point of view, um, Beryl, again, you, you were trying to do a different type version of NFT because NFTs, again, were the rave late last year. Again, Mark Cuban's talking about it everywhere and whatnot, you know, uh, you know, minting NFTs and all that. When you hear heard this new idea, this, uh, you know, um, having the play-to-earn model that actually started out, what led you to really jump ship? Because you, you're a pretty busy girl too. Yeah, so um, the technology itself, like the NFT technology itself, the smart contracts use is uh, not like very new, you know, at least in the cryptocurrency um, space, right? Uh, you know, so 21-1155 contract, which has really been there. Um, so it's not new to me. Uh, but uh, what was very new was, uh, you know, gaming, right? And um, uh, so coming from a finance background, I started like looking into the numbers, breathing, um, you know, how big the market size could be, you know, and, um, you know, the, the initial stories that started coming out and the, it just made sense. And then um, I think Gabby and I, we started like um, putting together, uh, you know, like how do we breed this to scale? How do we serve a lot of people? Right. Uh, you know, like uh, how will this eventually, you know, benefit them? So, uh, you know, like they end up, uh, cashing out, like the scholars end up like cashing out to be able to put food on the table. And this was during the pandemic, right? Because there was a lockdown at this time. So yeah, it just made so much sense. Uh, people are just going to be home, you know, um, uh, needing uh, work, right? And so, yeah, it, it's just becoming like a big um, employment agency by just uh, maximizing our uh, our assets, right? And um, that's when we decided to start uh, raising funds to be able to really build uh, build out our first few assets to uh, to start breeding and, you know, uh, lending them out. So that's how it eventually that's amazing. Started. Now, there's one thing that's very unique and I've never heard of it. I've been, been, in, a, been uh, in the game for a while, but the, the way you built this company is a DAO. Again, for those idiots like me, who don't know what a DAO is? Is it DAO Jones? What is it DAO Mingxi? What, what, what is a DAO? Okay, so a DAO is a distributed autonomous organization or um, it's uh, basically a new type of organization that's crypto-based. So it's not a corporation. Um, and the, I would say the replacement of uh, stock or equity is, um, uh, is tokens. So, so, so it uses cryptocurrency. So we have our own token, YGG, but it's not a kind of coin like an Ethereum that is like a payment coin. So um, it, it's not the, uh, no, think of it as kind of an ownership of the, of the network of the community. And this is important because we are not just a company that is made up of kind of employees and shareholders and investors. It's also made up of an entire community that identify themselves as part of YGG. So when people own a part of YGG, they also think of themselves as a part of that community and a part owner of that community. So, so we decided from day one that we didn't want to be a company. We wanted to be a DAO that was very inclusive to our uh, player community. If I could add as well, 
um, I think it's really important to note that uh, you know DAO is like just a group, right, of a common interest, and the tokens just represent membership um, within that interest group. And um, if you're a member within this interest group, you get to participate, send proposals, and vote on uh, you know like the future of that that group, right? So you can decide. Uh, what programs to do or what to build, for example, for as long as it's one big um, interest group, right? And uh, you actually have these membership tokens uh, that represent, you know, the the weight on, you know, the decision making within that group. So uh, it's what it is. So you have a say technically. So in analogy, right? Like, you know, a normal corporation would have stocks and the number of degree of your stocks would determine the type of influence you have in the company, but in order for you to be able to get that done, that company needs to be public. But now there's a finite number of, of tokens, or again, in 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 layman's term, shares that um, went live. But here's where I'm completely bamboozled and like, how'd you even get this done? Because here's the thing: past couple of weeks ago, there's this article or no a documentary that I was participating in um, for Tech in Asia about the startup ecosystem in the Philippines. And obviously, then when we filmed this, which was, was late last year, early this year, there wasn't any Filipino legit tech unicorn yet. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I've, I've seen the crypto guy saying, hey, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. There's a couple of uh, um, unicorns in the crypto space and YGG is one of them. I'm like, hmm, how come I don't know this? Right? So again, I, I, I'm here to understand because those, this is totally uh, a different ballgame. And when you did sell those tokens out, 25 million of them in native tokens, it sold out for $12.5 million in 30 fucking seconds. That's right. How did that even work? How? Well, how? I, my mind cannot comprehend how this worked and how did that even happen? Can you walk that through as to that? Did that work? Okay. Um... So I guess we'll back up a bit and say that we first did our uh, first fundraising round that closed in, I would say, November of last year. So we did our seed round. And when we do a seed round, we don't sell equity. We also do a SAFT for tokens in the same way that Isu do a SAFT for equity. So we raised this almost exclusively from crypto investors around the world in Europe, U.S., uh, very little in Asia, actually, but uh, we, we found some really good investors from around the world that really liked the idea of uh, building a DAO that um, invested in gaming assets for, uh, for play to earn. We didn't really shop it around the Philippines because we didn't, um, like nobody would really have understood what we were doing. And um, so, so, yeah, so we, we went straight to the crypto funds um, um, around the world. And, uh, and then in... We did another round in May last year that was actually led by one of the largest gaming funds in the world, Bitcraft. So, uh, so we had two rounds of funding. And then when we did the public sale, we already had several rounds of uh, like really good VCs under a belt. We, uh, we did a public sale at a $500 million valuation. It got, you know, as you said, it got eaten up in, um, in 30 seconds. And then when we started publicly trading the next day, the valuation was already like $1.8 billion, $2 billion. So in other words, we built a unicorn in 10 months. Holy fucking shit. Sorry, I just had to, 
I'm not gonna even. Wow, how did that even work? So walk walk us through how how can you amass? Because again, I'm old school. I race the old school way. I pitch investors. I do term sheets. I do all these, you know, data rooms. Due diligence takes forever. If this is something you can apparently do, how come not a lot of startups can take advantage? And what did you guys build that allowed you to even take advantage of this this fast? Also, first of all, we also did like a lot of pitching, a lot of like data rooms. Um, although we actually never had a deck when we all did all of our fundraising. Um, but um, we were, I don't know, I guess we had the advantage of having a unique insight in a very cutting edge field of technology. And at the same time, crypto's culture is very global and remote. So, so we were able to slide into meeting slots of top investors around the world. Um, you name a top VC fund or Silicon Valley fund, we've talked to them already. That wasn't possible before. Um, be- before COVID because they only wanted to invest in companies that were in San Francisco or in New York or in Boston. So because of COVID, actually, we were able to pitch to all of the top VCs in the world. And Beryl and I have talked to all of them pretty much at this point. Amazing. Now, Beryl, what was that process like? So again, it's a mixture of yeah, fiat, let's call it fiat. And of course, uh, or did you even have fiat? Was the pitch all crypto we don't have a bank account. What? <laughs> Everything was just like crypto. And the funny thing is, we've never met any of our investors face to face, physically. Oh my God. Everything was just online. Yeah. I'm just blown away. This is easily, by the way, I've been doing this two and a half years now. This is easily the most blown away episode I've ever been. <laughs> what the hell? What? What am I doing with my startup life? Why, why am I doing I'm done. I'll do crypto. For after this episode, I'm joining you. No, but I want to understand. Just kidding. If you're a, if my, you're my investor, you're listening to this. I'm not going to talk. I'm Mr. Podcast. Okay, don't worry. Um, I want to understand, uh, Gabby and um, Beryl. So you did that. So funding is there. Support is there. How did you build the team? You still need humans. You can't crypto this whole thing. What were you now building, and how did you? What were the what was the execution like? after you got the got the bag so what is very you know, fundamental is that we are a remote and global team from day one so as i said like our our technical co-founder he's not filipino he's actually an anonymous owl um, and we started hiring from within the play to earn community so we have people in the us we have people in dubai in france in canada and of course a lot of people from the philippines as well so we act like really a global and remote company from from day one and yeah that's that's really important for us to kind of do the work that we are doing we pay people like top um kind of a top compensation global global rates um and so while the two founders are filipino and a lot of our initial user base is in the philippines we're really a global organization a global global remote crypto organization from day one that is amazing now all right i need to catch my breath and we need to take our last break because i am still dumbfounded of what the hell did just happen because now when we come back i want to talk about you know what 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 games are you trying to build so you built the ecosystem and all that we'll talk about that and again let's pay it forward to the youngins 
and also shed light on how other startups can follow suit on what you have done. We'll talk about that more after the break. Okay, imagine this. You're hanging out with friends in a bar, cafe, or let's be honest, in your living room, and your favorite song plays on the radio. Then suddenly, the artist of that song walks in the room. What'll you do? Hi, I'm Gelaitana, inviting you over to On That Note, the show where we sit down with music artists to talk about their chart-topping hits, as well as the stories behind their lyrics. On That Note is a Podcast Network Asia original, so you wouldn't want to miss this. Hey Hustlers, 2021 just breezed past us and I hope things are better for you during this pandemic because we're almost there and I think we're pretty close to finally getting over this hump. But the bad news is, the whole dynamic of how business is done has completely changed because of this pandemic and you need to invest into new business models to make good investments. Now for the past couple months, I've been on the lookout recently on what's the best way to buy Ethereum to start investing in this new thing called Axie Infinity where I can play to earn. And I found the best platform to buy and sell Ethereum with the best prices in PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange licensed and regulated by the BSP that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Through their user-friendly web exchange and mobile app, Filipinos from all walks of life can trade and purchase crypto anytime, anywhere. And they offer deep liquidity that allows traders of all skill levels to buy and sell crypto at the cheapest prices. So if you want to make your crypto work for you, download the PDAX mobile app on Google Play Store, App Store, or the Huawei App Gallery to start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as just 50 pesos by signing up at podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax or just by clicking the link in the description box of this episode. Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. 
You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with Beryl and Gabby, who are then completely bamboozled me. I am still, uh, I still can't understand what the hell's going on. But let's just throw numbers out there. But you said after you went public, Gabby, you're, you were a Filipino startup unicorn. And it's been a while now since you went public. Can, can you just provide me with some stats? If this is a play to earn format and it's a play to earn company, two things I want to find out. How much impact are we now creating for the, the play to earners? And second thing, how much is your valuation now? If, if, if this was a while ago, how much are you worth now? Can, can you describe this? I guess let's talk about the impact. So our guild has uh, 50,000 uh, members from around the world. 
Um, uh, a, a, a lot of them are from the Philippines, but we also have guild members from Indonesia, India, Thailand. We're also very strong in Latin America. So, for example, um, Brazil and Venezuela and Colombia. So there's a lot of members from of YGG uh, from those countries. So right now we are earning from Axie Infinity a GMV of around 1 million SLT a day, which is around $200,000 per day. Um, and what? 90% of that goes to our player base. So actually last week, um, in the last seven days, we paid out $1 million or 50 million pesos. And 90% of that went to our um, Axie scholars and their community managers. So yeah, so we're on track to, to be paying at least a uh, million dollars like uh, a week to, to our player base. Wow. From a bite size, how much is the average Axie player now making? That's what I want to know because this is, imagine you, you mentioned earlier, if you're a scholar, you don't have the, fun, the, the ability to buy your own Axie and you're working for somebody, you get 70% of the, of the pie. But what is that 70% now? How much is these guys making? Of course, it varies, no. Um, but we, from current SLP price, we're seeing somewhere between twenty-five thousand to fifty thousand pesos a month from playing Axie Infinity as a scholar. Wow! And imagine if you again, you mentioned we're coming at eight k minimum wage in Nueva Ecija, and you're getting people to play to earn twenty-five k to fifty k pesos. That's a thousand dollars more or less. Uh, dude, that's good money. And if you're yeah. just playing games and you're having fun, I've ne- this is game changing, pun intended. Um, uh, you know, type of stuff. That barrel again. I also threw a number out there. How much is the valuation of your <laughs> the market cap? Holy crap! What is going on? Yeah, so it's it's gone up. So uh, from leading from our sale, uh, our public sale, like two weeks two weeks ago. Uh, you know, uh, we actually ended the sale at uh, 500 uh, million um, FDV and then uh, dollars FDV. And then um, mm-hmm. uh, when it opened in the secondary market, it was at uh, 1.8 billion um, FDV. And then it's been fluctuating um, up and down. Um, and then it stabilized at like o- uh, over 2 billion um, FDV. And then today, as of today, it's uh, 3.5 billion dollars uh, right now. Today, as we're recording this, is August 12, 2021. $3.5 billion. Just for context, do you know any companies that is worth $3.5 billion? Just so that we can... <laughs> I, I can't compose myself. I'm just blown away. What's, what's, what's a nice peg for that valuation? So, so I would say that Alliance Global, which is uh, the mega corporation... Right, it's worth one point nine billion dollars. Oh my god, that's a, that's 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 amazing! And you're you're just playing with literally around fifty. You said fifty thousand players now, right? Is that correct? Fifty thousand. What if we get to even just again ten percent of the Filipino population? Let's just talk Philippines. What would that be like? Now, uh, that's that's just crazy. But what's up next? I want to find out because. Typically, I, I ask this question at the end of the episode, but this is just a start. What else are you guys trying to build now? Yeah, we are actually just uh, getting started. So first of all, we are uh, scaling our Axie uh, scholar operations. We're at 4,700 scholars now across Southeast Asia and Latin America. 
we want to get that to between 10 to 15,000 before the end of the year. But that's still not enough. We want to be at hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we're finding a way to scale uh, in a typical, to uh, similar to like an Uber or Grab type of operation, but with digital assets. You're driving axes instead of taxis in this, these different countries around the world. Um, second is that we are continuing to invest in more play-to-earn games. So we want to offer our gamers different ways to make money in the metaverse. So we are their gateway to employment, um, to, to these jobs, different wow. skills that they can make money from in the metaverse. So we've invested in NFTs in 10 different games so far. Games like the Sandbox, League of Kingdoms, Splinterlands, Guild of Guardians. These are all different games where you can play the game and earn some form of money. Um, and we plan to offer these assets in these games to uh, to our player base so they can join as a guild and they can earn money from them. Okay. I'm very curious now. How do you guys, what's the operations like? So you said you're, you're completely uh, remote, spread out across the world, led by two Filipinos. I love it. Again, because again, this, this, this allows, this, this blows the roof. Like, oh my God, Beryl can, and Gabby can do it. But I want to understand how do you, what are the ex, the 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 go to moves or again the the expertise that you've built that allows you to operate this business completely remotely and also again keep keep doing what you're doing because again this is one of a kind literally yeah so a lot of the of the crypto industry operates from discord and we're actually no different um, we run everything from discord our large player community is there our team is there um, and uh, yeah, that's how we primarily communicate. We use a lot of Discord and Telegram and Twitter as well. Um, and yeah, like that's that's how we kind of re- run a remote global team. So everything is done completely remotely. Even with Beryl, we've probably seen each other five times since we started YGG. Wow, amazing! So, but from from your point of view, Beryl, um, what's the so again? Gabby, you guys are both experienced uh, entrepreneurs also. I'll just d- deep dive in a little bit deeper. Walk me through the day-to-day of how ops, are, how ops is done. Because again, this is totally unique. I'm just so curious. How do you guys, again, if everything's in Discord, what's the day-to-day like? Who does what, technically? Well, Gabby's schedule is like back-to-back. He has like over 35 calls in a week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. like, um, yeah so yeah i mean like uh recently yeah we've been um delving with um a lot of um calls like um after you know the fundraising round it's mostly like um following up with our investors um really growing the team hiring you know like building product as well uh so uh we're trying to be as independent from all these working groups um, as much as possible. And so these working groups can actually make decisions um, independently uh, without, you know, uh, without like uh, Gabby or me um, really like uh, making the decisions um, as much as possible, right? But of course uh, we have like oversight. Um, yeah, so I think like right now we're in a position where we've started hiring, um, you know, like um, growing the team and hiring um, key, uh, key individuals. Um, yep. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're just like growing uh, really fast. But uh, yeah. what, we have like an executive team, for example, we have a business operations manager, we have a head of product, we have a dev team. Um, and yeah, they're also uh, everywhere across the world. And we're really 
like not sensitive to where they are as long as they're online and they can do the work. And one thing no, about startups is that they used to say, oh, you can't really build good product unless everyone is in the same room working 12, 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. The thing that's different about DAOs and crypto in general is that everyone is there and show up because they want to be there. And you are all incentive aligned because of tokens as a form of incentivization. So apart from um, receiving your uh, salary, for example, in the crypto equivalent of USD or USDC, you also receive some of the tokens of, uh, of the network of YGG as part of your conversation. So, uh, uh, so there is a natural alignment that we all want to get to the same place, which actually replaces a lot of overhead of management. Oh, is this guy showing up, doing the good thing. So as long as you pick really good people who are aligned towards what your goal is, there's not a lot of like quote unquote like manage management happening of uh, no, like are, are people getting the right thing? Because of course there's a lot of coordination to be done and we're doing it asynchronously via tools like Discord or Notion and synchronously um, as well via calls. But there's actually like parang hindi kami nagbabantay because everyone who is here is super passionate about what they're doing, super passionate about the future that can be enabled by crypto. And the day-to-day -day operations that make us money, for example, the one producing the SLP, is actually not done by the company. It's all done by community members, the players who are playing the game and earning SLP, the managers who are recruiting and training. Like, they're the ones that actually do the day-to-day -day operations, not the team. So while we are a team of like 13 people, um, and there's probably around seven to eight to ten contractors. We have 19 scholarship managers and 4,700 Axi scholars. It's the community that actually does the bulk of the work that makes the community and makes the network so valuable. That is just mind blowing. I love it. Now, but in terms of the old school startup game game plan or the, the playbook, what applies? So again, uh, we, we you guys are both seasoned at this, but what still applies here that you brought in from old iterations of what you were doing? Yeah, so better than I know, um, different from I guess a lot of the younger founders uh, have kind of a more maturity in terms of being able to run a startup, knowing what the goal and visions are, and being able to decide quickly what's worth doing, what's not worth doing. We're both kind of seasoned at pitching to investors as well. And Beryl and I actually had very different, almost non-overlapping network of uh, investors nice. that we uh, we could pitch to. Um, so we, we used a lot of that network, old contacts, and startup experience. Because at the end of the day, you're still managing an organization and you're still growing a fast fast moving organization and we've we've both had some experience at that that's amazing now barrel from from your point of view you guys have literally opened the pandora's box and everybody can come in if you are going to again there's a lot of startup founders would just would probably be asking for your time but of course you don't that that the most scarce uh resource you guys have now but if someone, if another Filipino company who has, again, wants to follow suit onto what you've already built, what should be the building blocks they should learn as early as now to follow through, you know, uh, what, how you guys um, did YGG? Uh, to be honest, right, a lot of it is also uh, timing. And um, it's just so happened that it's just really timing, COVID, and then cryptocurrency is new. 
and then the NFT space and gaming, right? Like everything converging. So I think like with Gabby, for example, he's had 18 years of experience just doing gaming, but then this opportunity just like popped up, you know, um, all of a sudden um, within his 18 years. So it's not like, um, I think like the training really helped. Uh, you know, like uh, for me, like being able to do various internships and then um, like really working um, that's, uh, you know, working in the startup ecosystem, uh, you know, founding my own uh, previous company, um, joining like Coins.ph was uh, acquired as well. Um, that really helped me into visualizing um, what needs to be done. But then an opportunity like um, YGG is not something that you really plan uh, does that make sense, uh, Gabby? <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, Parang, I think you really have to believe in something and be a deep expert at it without really knowing when the success will come. Like for me, for example, even as like one of the most fervent believers of NFTs and blockchain gaming, it was a very, very, very difficult time, 2018 to 20. We were always out of cash, pretty much run out of cash several times and just had to figure it a way to survive at that point. And things didn't turn around until like June 2020. So, yeah. so, so we were kind of in a constant state of near-death experience coming from a long career of just trying to find that hit. And uh, no, it's, it's not something that you can just surf into and become immediately successful. Beryl's been in crypto since 2013. I've been in games since 2003. I've been in NFT since 2018. And yeah, so you cannot just come into a new field. So for example, if you come into crypto and NFTs just now, there's still a long learning curve and you're already behind the people who have been doing it for some time. So you have to think about, you know, what's next? What can I bring to this that's new? Um, but the other thing also that I wanted to point out is that with this, uh, the traction and the attention that um, YGG has and that Berlin and I have, we're actually setting the stage for other crypto founders from the Philippines to get funded yes. by global VCs. You know, like I, I saw the I saw that um, video from Tech in Asia, and in a way, Philippines has always been seen as kind of a laggard in startups in uh, in Southeast Asia in terms of funding, in terms of traction, or the big companies have been kind of more innovative rather than the small startups. And this just blows that story completely apart. And not only has YGG seen, seen this traction and we were able to become a unicorn after 10 months, we, I've actually seen three other Pinoy crypto startups get funded by VCs just in the last month alone. So I think that is the best part of this story. Now, YGG isn't just the story. It's the beginning of a new wave of the next generation of Pinoy crypto founders who are going to change the world. That is amazing. And I, I totally agree. And one thing about that is that it, you, it looks like it's an overnight success, but that timing, the barrel that you just said, it's not by accident. You know how to identify opportunities quick and fast because you've seen iterations of this before, when when to come in and when not to come in. And that's this is where I always said, and I said this also, I'm not sure if the, when this comes out in the next episode of that Tech in Asia thing, because that was a long thing that we talked about. I always said there that the people that are most qualified to create the biggest startups in the Philippines, at least, and have the highest chance to do it are repeat founders because we've tasted our own blood. 
right? We've failed before. We've fucked up before. We know how a startup dies and how you need to rise from the ashes. That's why I always say that, guys, for those people who started 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, it's sad that a lot of our, our, our contemporaries, are not, some of them are just not trying anymore. I'm like, guys, you know what, what, how to do it better and you just need to lick your own wounds. But that, the question I now have for you guys is that given that experience before that, again, you've tasted your own blood, you've failed, you've almost died several times, how do you keep coming back? How do you find it within yourself to always keep pushing? Because it's not a straight line. It's always ups and downs, ups and downs. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Maraming times na I, I definitely thought of quitting or running out of money or having to borrow money from someone to kind of pay the bills or cover the shortfall in salary. It's not fun. And after a while, you know, some people just quit and drop out and some people just, I guess, find a way. You know what? The, the thing that really motivated me is parang, alam ko like, that someday, I actually don't, didn't know when, someday this would all work out. And if I quit yeah. when the going was hard, I would never be able to taste the success that came after a long journey of really Amen. fighting it out. And for me, honestly, it, it took 20 years. So I, so I always tell wow. people, you may have just heard of YGG, but it's a 20-year <laughs> overnight success. And no, no one... Like no one plans for 20 years of hardship before they get successful, right? Um, <laughs> and especially during the kind of crypto winter, which was hard for me, hard for my team. I'm sure it was hard for Beryl separately in her, in her own journey. The thing that kept me going was that, you know, someday this will get better. And I don't want to be watching from the sidelines as an employee of a big company when things start to take off. And yeah, so I stuck it through, found a way, and I want to just things started taking off last year. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and that's that's the faith you have to bet on yourself more than anyone as a founder. Bet on yourself, bet on your team. But for you, Beryl, again, you've you've had a couple of uh, ups and downs too. A lot of downs uh, most of the time. So um, when, yeah, so with CapChain X, right, it was really getting difficult because of, um, you know, like tokenization, ICOs in 2017. Um, but then, you know, like, um, am I just going to like give it up? But then um, at least there was like some interest with the technology. So it wasn't really like a complete waste. So um, yeah, so I sold that part. And then um, I've decided I don't want to be a founder anymore. I'm just going to be consulting for financial services. <laughs> So I started, I, so I decided to consult for um, Union Bank um, just because uh, they just started UBX. It's very, very new. And it's so funny because um, I actually pitched Captain X to them before. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then at the time it was, uh, you know, a Canadian group decided that they wanted it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the CEO of UBX uh, told me and, um, you know, like Tito and uh, the guys at Union Bank told me, what if we actually... Um, so they were really interested with what I do, I've done with uh, with with CapChain, but then if we can do it within Union Bank, right? So that's when I started like consulting uh, for them, and then yeah, at that time there, I mean, I just thought that you know what, I still miss being a founder, right? Like um, when you're already doing consulting, like I've given up, like um, not really given up, but I thought maybe this is a really great break. I'll just consult. I don't know the entrepreneurship uh, kind of. Uh, you know, uh, feel just keeps coming back, and it was like maybe it's it's time that I I, I do something. Yeah, so 
So. No, it, it's true. And I relate so much because, again, my first startup failed. I got lucky. My second startup got acquired. And now I'm extra ambitious. I know I'm still going to fuck up. It's just a matter of time, right? But again, you're absolutely correct, both of you, that you just you just want to see how far you can go, especially when, when the times are rough. That's where you really have to dig deeper, dig deepest, actually, to really pull through. And it's amazing. Last question before I let you guys go. It's been a long journey for both of you, but I'll give you the keys to the time machine separately. If you go back to key points in your startup life so far and change something, what would you change on your journey and how would you do it differently? Um, I don't regret much no, in my career, but I would say that the only thing I would change is that I would have started in mobile games. So we founded Altitude in 2014. Okay. I should have started in 2011 and we would have a wow. much higher chance for success then. So I was on the sidelines on mobile gaming for a long time and decided to jump in 2014. Um, yeah, I should have started it much, much earlier. But look at you. You already did it the right, right timing now. So great job, Gabby. But for you, Beryl, uh, is there anything that you would have changed if I lent you the Hustle Share Time Machine and changed it very back? Well, actually, there's not much uh, to change. I'm really glad that um, I have went through all these ups and downs. Uh, I think um, it, it has really been a really good uh, learning experience. So at least like for me, um, yeah, uh, I'm pretty thankful for, uh, for all the hardships, for example. <laughs> again, they're a little crazy. We like the taste of our own blood. <laughs> That's what founders like. But again, we are very ambitious. Thank you very much, Gabby. And Daryl for being on Hustle Show. Now, again, you're on the lookout for scholars. What's up next for you guys in 1GG? And if there's people that want to collab and again and work with you and you know get their advice, where do they go and how do they do that? So uh, go to discord.gg slash ygg. So that's our guild. You can find us there. Um, and yeah, I think that's the best way to uh, to find what's happening with us. There you go. Very simple. Download Discord or install it in your app and you are now going to enter the domain again. Gabby and Beryl, thank you very much. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And again, if you did say a, a lot of jargon, which we did, don't be bamboozled. It's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to be part of our little community, we don't have a Discord. I... I suck at that. So, but we do have a Facebook community on uh, about uh, our listeners in Hustle Share. Join it now on the Hustle Share community on Facebook. Again, Gabby and Beryl, thank you very much and more power to you guys. Salamat, Ron. Thank you. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.